This is the Stomp Around Monster Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to the Stomp Around Monster Podcast. Today, we have our very first guest on the show, the one and only Lord Kaiju of the band Oxygen Destroyer. So without further ado, here it is, our interview with Lord Kaiju. All right, then. Uh, for those listening who might not know who you are or about Oxygen Destroyer, about your project, tell us a little bit about yourself and Oxygen Destroyer. All right. Uh, I am Lord Kaiju. I am the founder of Oxygen Destroyer. I do guitar and vocals. Our goal is to pay tribute to giant monster movies and we use like old school thrash metal and death metal as a way to represent their power their destruction that's certainly like something that i've, I've always kind of been able to pick up on the uh, concept of is that you draw a parallel between those two things because that's very powerful music and it just kind of goes hand in hand i feel like there's definitely a uh an overlap in in fans of like uh giant monsters or just tokusatsu in general and, and heavy metal they just kind of go hand in hand with each other so that's why i was super excited to, to find out about your band probably two years ago thanks yeah yeah you know it's funny i remember back in like 2013 2014 i was just chilling in my garage i'd played guitar for maybe like a year or so and i wanted to play thrash metal i wanted to play death metal like that kind of stuff but I couldn't make up my mind on like the lyrical themes and all that. And then the whole concept and everything just kind of hit me out of nowhere. Like, dude, that's what I should do. I should, I should write songs about giant monster movies. Cause I, I loved that shit since I was five years old. And to my surprise, I really don't know a whole lot of metal bands that have songs about kaiju movies. Like I know Hellwitch had a few cyanide had a few, uh, but yeah, for the most part, not a whole lot of bands were doing songs on that. You know, you got plenty of metal bands singing about horror movies and zombies and stuff like that. And I figured, nope, it'd be giant monster movies. That's what I'll do. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's also great that you were able to take that and really narrow your audience down. Like this is going to be my target audience, metal fans that love giant monster movies like that. Just bringing those two things together just it, that's so great that you were able to just absolutely pinpoint your audience Thank and you. like you said like uh there are plenty of bands out there that have you know songs that are you know kind of kaiju-esque or they have you know themes of such like you know we have the band gojira that just have the name but they don't really have any songs about monsters or anything and of course the blue oyster cults godzilla yeah, you know, and, and things like that. I think Godflesh has a song called Mothra. Yeah, I know Anvil does too. Yeah, but like as far as like having a band that is solely dedicated to that subject, I just think that's really great. And being Thanks. a being a big death metal fan, that was perfect for me. So I've tried to you know share you guys as much as possible. Thank you. Yeah, I've always had a soft spot for like really nerdy death metal bands too. Like I love. One of the reasons I love Bolt Thrower so much is that their like their early albums were all about Warhammer and shit. 
but it didn't come off it didn't come off like goofy or gimmicky like it was badass you know like they were still fucking sick like they didn't just rely on their their lyrics and their theme like when you listen to their music you can totally picture the chaos hordes in your mind just like fucking shit up yeah that's another thing is like any bands that you know that i can think of right offhand that have that kind of uh kind of you know like thing about them where they're going for a theme or they're singing about something that they really love it is pretty goofy most of the time but like as as far as you guys go i know like um at the end of your or at the beginning of your uh your first uh full length um but like you have that little uh the born in nuclear energy intro you can just kind of hear those you can imagine what that's like the siren going off and just you hear the footsteps like that kind of just um atmosphere you know when when a band brings it to an album like that you just you feel it and i i love that thank you yeah you know like the thing with od is i i want us to be a band that's that's fun you know something people can have fun with but at the same time i we like I, I try to get the, the point across that these movies we're writing about have something to say. You know, a lot of these old giant monster movies deal with themes that involve nuclear warfare, pollution, some pretty serious stuff, you know. And I, I figure for people that don't really watch this mov- th- these movies but love our music, maybe this is an opportunity for them to check those movies out for the first time. Because uh, I, I've met a handful of people who've told me they never watched any of those movies until they listened to us, and it means the world to me. You know, it's it's cool as hell when people are telling me that and they're actually watching these movies for the first time and falling in love with them. Yeah, and that's great. That's kind of the same parallel that I'll draw to this podcast is that, you know, because of the legendary MonsterVerse that's been bringing a lot of new fans in, and, you know, I definitely want newer fans or younger fans especially because like you i've loved this shit since i was probably five or six years old you know but like it can be kind of toxic and i know a lot of those older heads out there like oh these newer movies are not anything like the the you know the older stuff you know talking about like showa and heisei era Mm-hmm. franchises whether it's gamera or godzilla or whatever right and, you know i i wanted you know some these people to have a place to go and kind of learn about it a little bit and i'll go ahead and say it up front i don't know everything there is to know about the franchise as a whole but you know that's part of the thing of it is i just i'm here to learn too um yeah i remember growing up no one really seemed to care about these movies i didn't start meeting other kaiju fans until like my early 20s but yeah, in recent times, things have really been changing. You know, all these new movies are coming out and they're getting more popular than ever. There's more fans than ever. It's it's really cool to see these films getting more recognition than ever. Yeah, and I'll say the same thing. I mean, like if you if I went back in time and told myself 10 years ago there would be a Marvel Ultraman comic, I wouldn't believe it. Right. I yeah, absolutely dude. would not believe it. There's just so much. It's not just the films now, because as a, as a kid, like I could only intake what I could find. And, you know, that was mostly like the classic media um, dubs or subs, excuse me. Right. And uh, or the, uh, you know, some of the millennium stuff that was coming out, you know, when I was I was still pretty young. But, uh, 
you know, you could, you could generally find it at like, you know, your movie store or your, your local rental place or something like that. But apart from that, you know, I didn't know about all these, you know, different manga adaptations of these films or, uh, you know, comic book series or anything like that. It was just so obscure. And so now, you know, I've, I'm really appreciative of everything that's coming out. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree. Um, I was going to say, I remember when I was a kid, you know, back in the late 90s, like, it was so exciting going to video stores once a week and trying to find these movies. And anytime you found a new one, like, you know, finding Godzilla versus Gigan or Godzilla 1985, it was so, so exciting. Like, hell yeah, I haven't seen this one yet. Yeah, I definitely feel you. And I guess that's a pretty good segue into my my first real question for you, and that is, what got you into these movies? What got you into monster movies? All right. So when I was five years old, I was obsessed with dinosaurs. And I remember one day my mom and I went to a library and she rented me a VHS copy of the original King Kong versus Godzilla. She figured, you know, since I love dinosaurs, I'd probably like that too. But she didn't realize like, you know, the impact that movie was going to have on me. Cause let me tell you, that movie blew my mind. Like five-year-old me just wasn't ready for that movie. Like my mind was just blown. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know, I'm seeing a giant ape, just like beating up an octopus. I'm seeing a, a giant radioactive dinosaur, just like blowing up tanks. And then there's that really sick final battle where they're just beating the shit out of each other. Like from that moment on, I was hooked, you know, like I needed more. I think the next one I saw after that was the original Mothra versus Godzilla, which is one of the best by far. Like, <laughs> I, I remember when I was a, you know, when I was watching it for the first time back in the day, I'd watched that VHS so much. I would, like, I would act out what Godzilla was doing on screen. Like, during the part where he was getting cocooned, I'd cover myself with a blanket. Like, I was getting cocooned. I was just nuts for that shit. Yeah, I can remember doing, you know, pretty similar things like that. I remember I had a bunch of the Bandai creations, like the old, like squishy, like hollow figures. And I would just sit on the floor and like, try, like, uh, I remember I had one of the only like physical copies that I had for a very long time was I had a VHS copy of uh, Godzilla versus Destroyer. So whenever Destroyer oh, yeah. came on screen, I would run over and I would grab Destroyer and I would go get the burning I'd have to go get the burning Godzilla and smash them together and like if Junior came on screen I'd have to go get a smaller Godzilla toy you know and I just I have a lot of fond memories of those early days but just like you it's it's much the same thing I was obsessed with dinosaurs when I was a little kid I loved Jurassic Park and I also loved sharks so you know it just it just kind of finds its way to you I guess Oh, yeah, there's just something really fascinating, you know, when you're watching these movies and you're seeing just, like, giant monsters, just, you know, things that couldn't actually exist in real life. You know, there's just so much imagination and creativity put into these films, and they're they're very exciting to watch. Yeah, and, you know, just to the fact that, like, like you're saying now, it's not as obscure, you know, and there for a few years, I, I kind of fell out of my love for these kind of movies just cause I could not fulfill my wish for, for more content. You know, I, I watched the same like four or five movies forever. Right. Up until, you know, I was probably in my early teens and I, you know, they started uh, reissuing movies and, you know, they had like box sets come out and things like that where I could, I had access to all these movies and some of which I like at that point I'd never even seen before. 
Yeah, you know, I, I remember one one time when I was like seven years old, I got so so lucky. Like, um, I, I can't remember what channel it was or what it was called, but some program was doing an all day Godzilla marathon. And up until that point, I'd only seen King Kong versus Godzilla and Mothra versus Godzilla. And then in one day, I got to see Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Invasion of the Astro Monster, Godzilla versus the Sea Monster, Destroy All Monsters, Godzilla versus Mothra 92, and Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. All in one day. That was that was a really good day. Man, I, I had a similar experience to that. I remember my my aunt got netflix like when it first was like a thing like when you yeah. could first like go on the computer and like stream i don't even really know what exactly they called it back then i guess it was still streaming mm-hmm. but like i remember i went over to her house and they had almost the entire heisei catalog bar right. um i think it was uh return of godzilla i ended up not getting able to, not being able to see that until i was probably about 13 or so, but man, I, I remember watching all of it and I was just blown away and it was so stupid because like they, their internet wasn't so great. So like there would be like a, a five minute buffer period between like every 10 minutes you would watch. So I spent like probably half the time sitting in front of the computer watching these movies, just watching it buffer, but I didn't care. I was like, man, I've ne- I didn't never even gotten to see half of these films yeah yeah you know the heisei movies um yeah it's interesting like those films in particular um it took like five years or so for them to finally come to the states like i've done research on it and i've met older fans who were there to witness everything like yeah um the only heisei godzilla movie that ever had a theatrical release here in america was godzilla 1985 and you know that's the americanized title like the the real name is Return of Godzilla, but uh, yeah, like all the '90s movies, those didn't come to America until like I think 1998. I remember one day I was at Walmart or something when I was like seven or maybe eight, and it's like all of a sudden one day they were all right there. Like I saw a whole row of Heisei VHS tapes. I remember when I watched Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 93 for the first time, that one blew my mind. Like the climax in that movie is so just epic and long. And, and that was the first time in my life that I, I watched a Godzilla movie and I actually thought he was going to die because Mechagodzilla just fucks him up in that movie. Like he comes so close to killing him. Like I just remember eight year old me being so stressed out, like so scared, like, Oh my God! No, there's no way he's gonna beat. He's gonna beat him. He's not gonna survive this. And then, of course, there's that really epic moment where Rodan sacrifices himself so that his rival can still save the baby for both of them. Like that. That part is so cool because you know they're not allies in that movie. Godzilla and Rodan were both fighting over the baby, but it's cool how Rodan realizes he's about to die, so he gives his life up so his rival can at least save Junior. And I just remember being so hyped that moment when Godzilla gets back up and you see the lightning striking around him and he just starts fucking Mechagodzilla up. Oh my, that was the hypest shit. <laughs> God, I remember uh, it much the same thing. I feel like, honestly, it's one of the lesser 
or well, the lesser appreciated, I guess, not lesser known. Everybody knows about uh, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, but it, I don't. I feel like it doesn't have as, as much of an appreciation as I give it, just because I have such a a fond memory of that. Albeit, like when I was a kid, I didn't really have too much of a like a nostalgic attached to attachment to that film. But just that end battle with uh, Mogira and Space Godzilla, where he he drills underground and he breaks the crystals like every time i watch that scene that's just one of those those fights i could watch it over and over and over again yeah yeah dude that movie has a really good climax too uh, you know same thing as mechagodzilla 93 it's just like a super long and explosive 20 minute fight it's really cool you're right too versus space godzilla definitely is it, it seems to get kind of a mixed reception in the fandom like I wouldn't consider it one of the best, but I don't think it's the worst Godzilla movie ever, like some people say. I, I think it has plenty of entertainment to offer. I think part of it is the whole, like, the, the reason that my co-host, Zach, he loves to give that movie shit because of the Yakuza subplot that just absolutely <laughs> goes nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that movie has, like, a, it, it's still a fun movie. Like It's I like still it a first. fun, dumb movie, though. Like, I yeah. love it. Yeah, that's what I like about that one. Like, it's not a masterpiece by any means. It has a bunch of flaws, but it's still a fun movie. It has, pl- you know, like I said, it has plenty of en- entertainment to offer. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. But uh, anyway, a uh, couple more things I wanted to chat with you about real quick. On the topic of music, uh, despite COVID kind of derailing everybody's moving forward, uh You've been quite busy, honestly, haven't you? You guys are, are working on uh, your second full length right now. Uh, just put out a new single, uh, Slaughtering the Guardian Monster. Um, and you guys had an appearance in a noise dosage? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've we had our second album done for a while. Um, long story short, COVID kind of slowed everything down. Um, it will be out soon. I can't reveal the release date yet, but it will be coming before the year ends. And I'm, I'm really happy it's finally coming out. I was, if it wasn't for COVID, we could have had it out last year. Yeah. And I know you guys were slotted to open for a Vader and abysmal dawn on a couple of dates, weren't you? So we did get to do that. That was the last, that, that was the very last thing that we got to do before COVID hit. Oh, I'm glad you guys got to do that. I, I remembered seeing uh, those dates announced, but uh, I didn't know if you guys – I knew you guys played at least one of those shows. I didn't know if you guys got to play them all, but I was looking at that like, God, man, Vader, Abysmal Dawn. Who else was there? There was somebody else there, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, there was Hideous Divinity. Yeah, and then, then you guys – I was In like, vitriol. Vitriol God, that would good. be such a fucking lineup to go see. Yeah, it was fun. We got to pl- we got to be a part of the Seattle and Portland dates. It was very very good. Um, Vader is our biggest influence too. So, like, yeah, you know, you know, the COVID shit sucks, but at least the very last show we got to do was like one of our dreams. You know, like a dream come true. Go ahead and kit- knock that one off the bucket list. Yep. But uh. So another thing I wanted to ask you about, I was quite curious about, because we, we talked about, we touched on it a little bit whenever we first started talking, but uh, you were saying, you know, a lot of, of fans that uh, you guys get to interact with, they, you know, they know of your music, uh, but they may not necessarily be a big 
uh, Kaiju fan or a big Tokusatsu fan, but like, how was that early reception for you guys? You know, I don't really know a whole lot about the Seattle uh, metal scene or anything like that, but was were you guys just kind of like uh, a, a, just another death metal band that was, you know, were technically proficient, you know, got a following because of that? Or did you meet a lot of fans in those early days that were like, oh, these guys are singing about something else I love. That's cool. So, um, I'll say this, our first year or two as a band was a, was a little bit rough. We went through a lot of lineup changes and our sound in general was kind of different. Like I'll just say it our first year or so we were kind of, there's, there's no videos online of it, but yeah, we were, we were kind of bad when we started out. Um, and when I started the band, I'd only played guitar for like one year so. I think I just hadn't really figured out how I wanted the band to sound yet. Like when we first started out, it was more like um, I would describe us as more like a scream bloody gore era death clone, but not very good. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Like after about a year or two, you know, I finally found um, like a really solid lineup. Uh, once Chris joined the band and became our new drummer things really really started to pick up from there we started getting a lot more serious a lot more professional and tighter than ever and and around that time we we pretty much figured out our sound you know going for like that just non-stop blistering speed that bands like vader and protector and absu have um as far as like meeting other kaiju fans and shit though um, you know, in Seattle, we, we had, we've met a handful of people who were kaiju fans, but for the most part, we didn't really start meeting other kaiju metalheads until maybe like three years later or when our album came out. Um, I know we have a lot of kaiju metalhead fans in Olympia and uh, especially Portland, but yeah, I mean, at first it was mostly our music that getting us where where we were like in, in fact i think when we started out most people kind of assumed that we were like a parody or like a joke band because you know when you talk sometimes when you talk about godzilla movies around people the first thing they think of is oh cardboard buildings and guys in rubber suits yeah and i mean that's that was just something i was really curious about though was that was it more this or that but like yeah, that's that's great that like you were able to to find your following here because I know like it, especially in Georgia, like you want I don't know if it's anything like it is in, in Georgia where we're from, but like if you want music, anything you have to go to Atlanta or you have to go state over go to Chattanooga. Like that's the only way you're gonna you're gonna be around a a half ass decent music scene because like metalheads here just in general are few and far between. Mm-mm. Yeah, um, Seattle definitely has a good metal scene. There's there's a ton of great death metal bands like Fetid and Mortiferum and Drawn and Quartered. And there's some good thrash bands too, like Toxic Rain, Ghost Blood, Command. Um, but I feel I think it was around 2016 when we really started to start to find our following. You know, I remember 2014, 2015, where we were kind of rough and still just figuring things out. We weren't really that serious yet. And uh, I feel like once the first album came out, that's when we really started to get the point across and people started to realize what we're all about. But yeah, so like how exactly did you 
guys even go about finding each other? Did you just like find all your bandmates, uh, just, you know, as guys that really, they just wanted to be in a band or anything like that, or do your bandmates really share a, a common interest in, in these movies and this so, type of stuff? Yeah. So when I came up with the band, the most important thing to me was finding people who were good musicians and, you know, like we're all about the music itself, like working with other people that are diehard Kaiju fans would be cool. But I to me, it was more important that I, I just find good musicians to work with, like reliable people. And um, we've, we've gone through we, we've definitely gone through some changes, but I, I like every person I've worked with, like uh, our, the very first bassist we had, my buddy Dakota, he plays in a sludge metal band called Dark Mystic Woods. They're really good. He was a great dude. He pretty much helped me get the band started. And then uh, I remember an old friend of mine named Rodney drummed for us for about a year. And he kind of he kind of inspired my idea of just making the band sound faster and more raw. So even though he was only with us for a little bit and was only on demo, he really he really um, helps the band go forward more. And then I've been working with chris and joey since 2016 and yeah they're not like really crazy for kaiju movies but they do love my concept and they're great people they're great musicians i love working with them and uh and then we had ben doing bass for us for a few years he was the bassist on our first album he was another really awesome guy he's currently playing in a punk band called schmoot soon they're really really good and since 2018, we've had my buddy Paul on bass. He's fucking awesome. And I actually totally converted him into kaiju movies. As soon as he joined the band, he decided to check the movies out, and he's hooked on them. And his favorite series is the Millennium series, and his favorite monster is Rodan. Man, that's great that like you were not only able to find some, some members that you were happy with and, and are incredibly technically proficient, but like that you were able to just completely flip one of them over into a, into a Kaiju fan. Cause I, I love like introducing people to this kind of stuff. And, but that was just something that I wondered about. I was like, did he actually like go out of his way to, to get with people that were musicians and uh, G fans or did, did you like just go find some musicians that you worked well with. I just, I'd always wondered about that as long as I've been listening to this band. <laughs> yeah. I've always focused more on just finding really good musicians and good people to work with. Um, but yeah, I, I was happy. I was totally able to convert Paul into this shit. Like he's hooked on it now. Uh, I guess the next thing I, I wanted to ask you about is so like, I know that, like some of some of the imagery that goes along with this band is you know very inspired by a lot of this stuff i know like on your uh split with power beast you've got some uh some gargantua influenced artwork very reminiscent of uh of the uh, the cover of that film uh category three kaiju you've got a very gigan-esque monster on there but i guess my question for you is where does the line between you know, like established uh, monsters and things like that, and your originality, where does that stop? So my whole take on all of it is, like, 
Um, for example, the song Summoning the Moth of Divinity. It's totally a tribute to Mothra, like, obviously. But we never do refer to the monsters by names in our songs. So if somebody wanted to, they can listen to that song and they don't have to picture Mothra in their mind when they're listening to it. It could be their own thing. Like, in a way, basically, I'm paying tribute to these movies, but at the same time, I'm making them their own thing, you know. But, like, Summoning the Moth of Divinity, you could hear that song title and draw from that 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 is a tribute to Mothra, Cyclopean, Razor Beast. You know, that's obviously, like, a, uh, you know, kind of pointing you in the direction of Gigan. So, if you're familiar at all with any of these monsters... um, you know, uh, you can kind of draw from that, but I was just wondering, like, if, like, you had ever, like, received a cease and desist or anything like that from Toho. No, we haven't, and, um, yeah, I think think we're okay what we're doing so far. Like, uh, I'll say this, though, we're not gonna use samples from Godzilla movies anymore like we did on our first album. Uh, I'll be honest, I, we didn't think our first album was going to do that well. If we knew it was going to, we probably wouldn't use most of those samples. So, you know, like now, now that the band's getting a little bigger than I thought it would, we're going to be more careful and we're not going to be using Godzilla stuff. But to be honest, from now on, I want to start doing more songs based on stuff outside the Godzilla series. Like I want to do stuff based on Kong and Gamera and Gorgo and like super obscure shit. And I think most of those, we could get away with using samples for them, you know, because they're a lot less popular. That, and I think a lot, a lot of the uh, licensing on stuff has expired. I mean, with with the with everything being reissued the way it is now, like yeah, like Dimogen, like I never in a thousand years would have thought that Dimogen would be getting a Blu-ray box set. Like, who cares oh, about Dimogen besides people like you and me? Those are such good movies, dude. Oh my god, that the first two in particular, they they are masterpieces. Some of the best. If you want a period piece and a just great special effects movie brought together, just yeah, watch the Dimension movies. And we can't wait. I cannot wait to cover those on the show. I just absolutely cannot yeah. wait to. Oh god, yeah, they're those movies are legit, like excellent. Those are not B movies. They're some of the best. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely yeah. love those. But yeah, so so far we've we've been okay. Um I don't think we've done like because like you know we're it's not like we're using actual music from the movies and like I said we don't refer to the monsters by names in our songs because like it, you know in the end it's a tribute to those movies and the references are definitely there but I still try to make them our own thing and whenever we work with artists I always specifically tell them like hey you know give me a monster that's inspired by Mothra or Godzilla but like give it your own twist don't make it like a hundred percent them yeah because you've worked with a couple of of uh different bands actually um and like how do you go about that process do you have people approach you that want to work together like i know you've, you've had the split with power beast do, but do they do they approach you or do you go out and find a band and be like hey you want to do a split together or how does that work um, with splits, yeah. Um, VHS and both Power Beast reached out to us before. Um, we have another split coming up after the album. Uh, I won't reveal it yet or the date or anything, but that it'll probably be the last split we do for a while because I have way too many ideas. Like, there's so much stuff I still want to do. Like, I want to start doing songs that take influence from Kong and Gamera and 
Damajan and Oro- Orochi. Uh, the, the, like, I'm hoping that before I die, I can at least have one song that's based on each and every monster movie ever. Jesus Christ. Well, at least you have a goal in mind. You'll never, you'll never get bored. You might get tired, but you'll never be bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, dude, I, I already have ideas for like 10 more albums. Like, there's so much I can still work with. Yeah, that's like when we started this podcast, I was kind of, my whole thing was like, because there's a ton of monster podcasts out there. There's a lot of uh, that cover anime and tokusatsu and things like that. But, you know, I wanted to cover some of the things that were, you know, I didn't see as many people talk about and things like that. So, like, uh, when I got with the, uh, with Zach and uh, JJ and I was like, let's, you know, let's do this. You know, we'll cover some, some more obscure things. Cause like, I've not seen like anybody do like a podcast series on like the OG, like uh tokusatsu grid man. Mm-hmm. And you know, like all the, uh, the different comics and stuff. Cause you know, that's, you know, things that we want to do. We want to do, you know, other forms of media besides these movies, you know, like, yeah. like so comics, manga, all that stuff. But, you know, I, I think that whenever I did that, I bit off a little bit more than I could chew because I'm just starting to realize that, hey, there's all this stuff that you could cover. And now there's new stuff coming out. We're getting uh, Shin Ultraman, Shin Kamen Rider. There's, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Godzilla Singular Point's not even out yet. You know, yeah. all this stuff. So, you know, at least you'll never be uh, starving with a lack of content. Yeah, and I'm really, really hoping we're gonna get more Gamera soon. I miss Gamera so much, bro. I love Gamera. So, just this may be unrealistic thinking, but we, uh, my co-host Zach and I talked about it on our timeline episode. Like um, Hideaki Anno's picking up all these titles. He's done a Godzilla movie. He's doing a Common Rider movie. He's doing an Ultraman movie. Maybe he'll do a Gamera movie. Oh my god, that would be amazing! Don't give me hope. <laughs> d- d- yeah, start, oh we'll my. start a petition to uh, to have Hideaki Anno direct a, a Gamera movie. Yeah, we we waited so long, man. Like the last Gamera movie came out in two thousand six. It's uh, it's been it's been such a long time. Albeit, like I'm as far as the uh, franchises go, I'm not that big of a Gamera fan, but like everybody else has got a shot. Like give Gamera a shot. Dude, Have you ever seen the Heisei Gamera trilogy? Arguably, I would almost say if it weren't for the fact that I love Godzilla more than Gamera, that the Heisei Gamera movies are quite possibly better than the, the Heisei Godzilla movies or some of them anyway. Dude, dude, honestly, Look, don't get me wrong. I love Godzilla. Godzilla is my man forever. But to be honest, the Gamera trilogy, I would personally put those over every Godzilla movie except for the original. Like, the original Godzilla movie is always going to be, like, the best movie of all time. But that Gamera trilogy really blows my mind. Like, I could watch those movies forever. I never get bored of them. Yeah, and I think, and like I said, uh, me not even being that big of a Gamera fan, obviously, just because whenever I was growing up, you know, just kind of taking a deep dive into all the things that I had missed out on, you know, not being able to get a hold of it. The the show, some some of the show of Gamera just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth, and that's always just kind of been impressed, like in like ingrained in the back of my mind, and I can never quite get over it. But yeah, like I I love those movies. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I like the show of Gamera movies too. I think I think the only ones that I absolutely could not get into were Gamera versus Zigra and Gamera Super Monster. But I I like the first one. It's it's fun, and I love Ga- I love Gamera versus Barugan. I think that one's actually pretty excellent. It's not like all the other show of Gamera movies. I remember watching. Uh, I remember I watched them on the same day. Was a uh... It was Gamera Super Monster and uh, the X X from Outer Space. Oh, I love X from Outer Space. Dude. That is my that. Fa- that is my favorite bad movie of all time. Yes. Oh yeah, dude. It's got some solid destruction scenes too. It does. And then like I didn't even know that it had a, a sequel. A sequel quotation mark quotation mark sequel. Yo, I just watched it for the first time like a few months ago. I I liked it too, honestly. I thought it was like so funny and bad. It was awesome. I I think I would almost toss that into the same pile with. Uh, have you ever seen uh, Axe, Paul Bunyan's Revenge Axe Axe Giant? I think I think it goes no. by two t- two titles. It's called The Revenge of Paul Bunyan or Axe Giant. No, I don't think I have seen that one. It's basically just to give you a quick like plot overview. Paul Bunyan like has been living in the mountains for like 200 years and he's like morphed into this giant monster and he just goes around killing all these campers. Okay. I got to see that. <laughs> We're going to, I'm trying to, cause we, in our last episode where we covered Rodan got in a heated discussion at the end of the episode on whether or not Paul Bunyan's a Kaiju because of the stupid <laughs> meme that's going around. Uh... And I was like, well, not, I agree with, with what my co-host said, Zach, he said, well, if you go off of the term kaiju, which just means like strange beast or yeah. daikaiju's giant beast, not really. He's a man, but I, I whenever because of that stupid freaking movie, I, that's the incarnation of Paul Bunyan that always comes to mind. And I was like, well, if you look at this version of Paul Bunyan, then maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll say this: he's more kaiju than Clifford. Like anytime someone asks me, "Is Clifford a kaiju?" I get so so annoyed it's like stop asking me that <laughs> do you get more annoyed by that or people asking you if you guys are ever going to cover godzilla by blue oyster cold oh god oh god <sighs> jesus <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i'm a i'm a simp for blue oyster cult i oh, love dude, yeah. blue oyster cult but that i just totally. don't think it would work and i it get wouldn't. i get why it honestly wouldn't i've tried it just it, it doesn't work okay like, that, that's all you had to say that's for the record right here on the show for the people that keep asking if Oxygen Destroyer is going to cover <sighs> Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult. They've tried. It's not happening. Like, I, yeah, you know, here's the thing. I love that song and I love Blue Oyster Cult. It's classic shit. But, you know, if we played the song exactly how it is, it just wouldn't work because we're we're all about speed and shit. And that's a rock song. We're a death metal band. I just... I don't think that would work. And then, of course, the other approach was let's take the song and turn it into a thrashy death metal song. And it just didn't work, man. It didn't work. You could either, I guess, do that or maybe like make it like some because, I mean, that is a pretty like primitive caveman riff. Just tune down and make it that kind of song. But I know you guys are all about that speed. You're all. Yeah, it's 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 got to be fast. Yeah. But yeah, that, there you go. For the record, Oxygen Destroyer has tried to cover Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult. There you go. Yeah, 
it, it just it wouldn't work and that's a really good song i feel like if we messed it up that would be like a like an insult to it and nah it, it, it honestly doesn't need to happen if you want to hear another version that bad go listen to the fu manchu cover oh geez i didn't know that was a thing yeah but fu manchu have covered it is the only other band that i can think of right offhand anyway Dude. Have you seen that live performance, like, when they're playing it live and they got the giant Godzilla head breathing smoke? I think that's, like, that music video, like, the old music video is that, is what that is. But, yeah, like. You know, uh, we don't do it too often, but on some occasions, if we're playing a venue with a screen projector, while we're performing, we'll have a montage of, like, numerous giant monster movies playing in the background, like, syncing up to our riffs and our drums and everything. My significant other went to go see Dope. I think it was Dope. And they do something like that, but they just play Pulp Fiction in the background. Apparently, oh, that's cool. Like, the whole time. That's a good just movie. play Pulp Fiction. But, yeah, that's super badass. Like, I, I, I've got to see you guys one day. Like, I ha- it has to happen. We'll, we'll head out your way when things are normal again. We, we Like, when things are normal again, we want to tour as much as we possibly can. Like, we want to go everywhere. Yeah, I know, like, that's basically a cross-country travel to come all the way to Georgia, but, you know, Atlanta welcomes you. Totally, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned Quentin Tarantino. I have to ask, have you seen The Mighty Peking Man? No, I have not. Yeah, um, it's an old 70s Hong Kong King Kong knockoff movie, and uh, Quentin Tarantino really likes that movie a lot, and he even gave it a like a re-release back in the 90s, I think, or maybe the 2000s. Um, it is the best King Kong ripoff movie ever. It's actually got some really building set designs and some really cool destruction scenes. I highly recommend that one. I'll definitely have to check it out because, like, I just have a massive backlog of stuff that I've never seen before and, like, I'm just just starting to learn about. So you know, I'll just tack that onto the list. Yeah, you know, that, that's the thing, you know, um, after being into this these movies for so long, I'm at a point in life now where I've really been digging deep. Like, um, I've been discovering some really crazy, obscure shit in the last year. Like, have you ever seen a Taiwanese kaiju movie called War God? War God. I believe I've heard of it before. Yeah, it was a lost film for the longest time, but recently um, a, like, TV recording of it surfaced online and it's a blast i'm not gonna lie it's like this giant like god statue fighting godzilla sized martians it's fucking sick god i know like it's not necessarily giant monsters or anything it's more aliens but like recently i just picked up gants because apparently it's got like some some awesome like giant aliens oh okay i haven't seen that one yeah it's it's uh i'm reading the manga adaptation of it right now but uh nice yeah, I'm just kind of like digging my claws into like whatever I can get a hold of that, you know, I think would be something good for the show or just, you know, good for me to read in general. So like after being disappointed with every like wrap up of Evangelion possible, I finally read the <laughs> uh, read the uh, manga, the manga adaptation, which I've got to say, if it, if it were if it were not for the fight scenes in Evangelion. I would almost say the manga is better. Almost. Yeah, honestly, the manga is really good. I love how in the manga version, Shinji saves Asuka from the MP Evas. I was so fucking hyped when I saw that. 
yeah, it just, you know, it, it kind of wraps it, it wraps the story aspect of it up into a nice little package for you there at the end. Yeah. Because I think that's what killed so many people, or at least it did for me, is that the ending to any of the uh, the other Evangelion films or the show, you know, was interpretive. You had to kind of take it as yeah. you did, as you wanted. Yeah, you know, I'll say this. When I first saw End of Evangelion many years ago, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. But as years have gone by, I've actually come to really like that movie a lot. And I think the fact that that movie just ticked me off and made me feel so depressed was like kind of kind of shows how good it was. You know, the fact that I cared so much about those characters by the end of it and it sucked so hard to see them die like like the way they did well i'm definitely glad i'm not the only one that feels that way because like that's just solid story writing you get really attached to these characters and just have to get watch them get tortured over and over and over again yeah and then there's not really a happy ending to all of it yeah it just depends on how you look at it and that just depends on how you look at it and i can't help but look at things in a literal sense i i get the metaphor behind it is well, that you know animation like just and the animation. animation's beautiful oh my god yeah end of evangelion has some of the best animation i've ever seen you know it's funny i see people talking all the time about best anime fights and shit and honestly man the fight scene between you know with asuka and the mp evas to me that is the best anime fight of all time that whole scene alone is a masterpiece i know and like the thing is is like that it kind of pisses me off seeing to like get excited for an anime because like now like I, I'm fine with CG and anime that's fine you know it, it helps you know to uh, to really you know make it so that they can push something out a little quicker and you're not having to wait around for it as long as as opposed to animating yeah. every single frame especially as smooth as like that was done yeah but I mean like that that came out in what 1990. 77 yeah i know what you're saying and it looks so much better than anything now because like i don't get me wrong like i I love i loved um like the uh, the latest uh netflix ultraman series is great but it's cg yeah i mean i I know what you're saying like uh, here's the thing um cgi anime it still does take a lot of hard work and all that and i don't completely dismiss it like i used to but yeah, I know what you mean. I love and I miss hand-drawn animation. Just, I love the 90s anime era. I love all those old 90s shows like Evangelion and Trigun and Berserk and Outlaw Star and Blue Gender. There's so much good shit from that time. I just love that whole style. Yeah, and I mean, that's why I'm so hyped for uh, Singular Point. Because Singular Point looks like it has the perfect like balance of CG and like beautiful animation. Yeah, yeah, it's way, way better than it's the It's way anime over trilogy. the top. It's dude, way dude, over the top. I'm not going to lie, man. I love, like, I love pretty much every Godzilla movie ever, but I hate the anime trilogy. I absolutely despise those movies. Singular Point looks like everything they should have been. Absolutely. And I I will only I will say this and only this about the, the anime trilogy until we cover it on the show. If you at least have a plot synopsis of the, the prequel novels before you watch the anime, you'll appreciate it just a little more. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the thing. The anime trilogy had really, really cool ideas and concepts, but it's almost as if they sat down and they said, 
Let's come up with really cool ideas and execute them in the absolute worst ways possible. Exactly. And I understand like that was made for uh, a more uh, for more for Japanese audiences. And as far as I understand it, they enjoyed it, you know, probably significantly more than than, you know, Western audiences. Mm. Yeah. Did, yeah. You, but... know, you know, it's funny about that, you know, when it comes to like, you know, the Japanese fans, and the American fans. You know how here in the States, Godzilla versus Mothra in 1992 is kind of mixed? Crazy for it. Um, yeah. Well, it's the total opposite in Japan. In Japan, that movie was huge. It was like the highest grossing Japanese movie of, I think, 1992 or three, one of those. And, and, and you know, it's funny. When I went to Japan two years ago, I went to the hotel and around the giant Godzilla head, they had like three pictures that were styled like ancient ruins. And they they were recreations of iconic scenes from the old films. And to my surprise, one of them was Godzilla versus Mothra in 1992. So, yeah, total total opposite in Japan. That one's huge. It's one of the most popular. Huh. It, you know, and that's it's, in, it's interesting to draw, you know, a. Uh... A comparison between how films were received in in different places you know yeah. and i guess that's just another great example of it but anyway yeah. yeah so we're right at an hour right here uh i guess we'll go ahead and start wrapping this up um but anyway lord kaiju thank you so much for coming to visit with us today we hope to have you back on the show again hope you had a great time um any final words or anything that you want to say before we go? Um, thanks for having me, dude. I'm glad I could do this. It was a lot of fun. Um, when things are normal again, OD is going to go hard. We are going to tour as much as we can. We have plenty of new material coming out. I'm already working on album three. Like This, this shit's not slowing down anytime soon. All right. Well, that's good to hear. Guys, go check out their new single. It's out right now, Slaughtering the Guardian Monster. Uh, where can everybody find you as far as socials and, and your music and everything? Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Bandcamp. Those are, I'd say those are like the, four, like the main four platforms we work with. All right, then. Well, thank you guys so much for being with us today. Thank you, Lord Kaiju, for your time with us and we'll see you again next time. Cool. Thanks, man.